Luke chapter 3. We're going to read um, the first few scriptures there in that chapter, beginning in verse 1. My question, or the title, if you will, is, um, what are you giving this Christmas season? Verse 1, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Euteria and Trachonius, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the desert. He went to all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance and for forgiveness of sin. As is written in the book of the words of the Isaiah of the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain, hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. Lord, we thank you. We give you all the honor, all the glory. Everything belongs to you. Nothing we have is worthy of your acceptance unless you make it worthy. And I ask, Lord, that you would prepare the hearts of every individual, Holy Spirit, Begin to penetrate their minds, their emotions, their intellect, and speak to them. That it be words of power, not just a talk, but there will be anointing. It is the anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage. I pray you move in signs and wonders. In Jesus' name, amen. So this we're in this time of Christmas giving him, and this has been a better Christmas. Last year was pretty rough. The year before that was really, really rough, and the year before that was even rougher. Uh, um, I, I think last year we didn't have not one gift on the Christmas tree. We made a big transition, and everything was going to the campus. It was quite a time. Uh, and then my son, he, 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 he insisted that we change things. And so we've been really having a a good Christmas season. Uh, and God began it on. He gave us several things on that Christmas day, uh, that whole time frame when, when everything was taking place in, in the supernatural. But before we look at, at what he gave, you need to think about the scene. And every time I, I, I think of Christmas, uh, um, it's almost we, we, get, we get a misrepresentation of how Christmas was that first Christmas day. You know, because we see... Um, the trees and all the nice decorations. And I think my wife and I, about a week ago, we went to go see um, uh, White Christmas there in Denver. And it was a great drama. We really enjoyed it. And I, I love the Christmas season, all that going on. But it was a little different when it, when it first began, right? It would take some, some doing to assemble a more deplorable, awful group of men than the one just listed in. Luke's gospel. Tiberius, Pilate, Herod, they were notorious, and they were understandably, for the, I guess the way they had it reign, they were cruel. Their treacheries and, and their callous disregard for others was known worldwide. These weren't good guys. 
Tiberius was, was despised and mistrusted by his own political cronies. And he would resort to trumped-up treason trials to put his, his opponents in prison and often killed. The emperor Tiberius, he is the stepson of August, Augustus Caesar. And Caesar, if you look at history, he was the one who would dip Christians in pitch and, and place them throughout the cities of, of, of Rome and, and light them up because he declared, if you're going to be the light of the world, then I'm going to use you as a light of the world. Cruelty. He was neither well-loved nor respected. Pilate was renowned for cheating his Roman bosses. And he would always abuse his fellow uh, Jews around him because he was the, involved in taking the taxes in. And Pilate rose from obscurity, from a Roman middle management position, to governor of Judea. And he was treacherous as a politician. From the moment he began his rule, Pilate seemed to have a gift for insulting and antagonizing the Jews. He was both despised and feared. Now, Herod, that brother was insane. He was just crazy. Paranoid, he ordered three of his sons and one of his wives to be executed because he suspected them of plotting against him. Herod was an unbalanced and dangerous ruler. He was given the title King of the Jews by the authorities in Rome. Herod's personal paranoia led him to begin murdering all those around him, his chief advisors and staff and military men, because he suspected them of disloyalty. Now, if that was not bad enough, the religious leaders were similar. Ananias, who was the high priest, he was merely a flunky of the Roman authorities. He sold out any kind of morality that he may have had to hang on to his high priest position. He cared very little about preserving the integrity of the church. He, he enjoyed his, his position. So in politics, religion, economics, almost anyone, if you've studied that time frame, have can agree that it was the worst of times. So the, the, the first Christmas season was the worst period that hit the world. And there have been very, very many bad times. The worst of times. For the Jews, they had no hope under the authority of the Roman soldiers. And if you add to that, no prophet of God had spoken to the people for over 300 years. No word from the Lord. Nothing came from him. All they would see is Herod, Pontius Pilate, and Tiberius. So they had no hope. That is the background. Now let's add, now, that's pretty bad. Now let's add one more thing to that. At that moment, the world was demon-possessed. So there's the picture. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. That is the picture of the first Christmas. Huh? It was in the midst of the worst times God moved. Hmm? Jesus is born. See, there's a, I like that, that one song. Even when you don't see it, see, see he's moving. Even when you don't feel him, he's moving. Right? He never stops. He never stops, right? Moving. 
He never, and he never stops. Well, they may not have felt it. They may not have seen it. It looked hopeless, but God was up to something. Hmm? See, Christmas is not only a time of remembering what gifts we should give. It's also a time in remembering the gifts that God gave. See, we live in very good times. We don't live in the same times of, of Jesus. Uh, we're, we're a very blessed nation. And I just recently came back from, from Manila. Uh, last year, um, or earlier this year rather, I was in Indonesia. And those are fine countries, great people, but nothing compares to this country. The blessings that we see. See here, if you can't go hungry, you know, in the U.S. I mean, we're the only country that, you know, that they give you a little card to go get your own little food, even if you're poor. In the Philippines, if you have no food, you die. If you go to jail, your family has to bring you food while you're in jail. If you have no family bringing you food, you die. We're in a blessed time. So when you look at our time, we have ample reasons to be grateful. But you have, we have to really understand who we are. Because the good can be bad. It seems that when people are doing real good, all of a sudden they, they, they tend to forget God. Right? Because they're so, it's so good. It's nice. I have it made and shaved with lemonade. So the economics, Christopher Room discovered a dark side of a booming economy, a, a, a silver lining to economic bad times. See, we're in a booming time right now, but the health of Americans deteriorate during temporary upturns in the economy. When the economy gets better, Americans get sicker. Isn't that amazing? Why? Well, because, you know, we have this tendency to overindulge. Well, let me, let me just speak for myself. But what I have noticed, Americans have a difficult time losing weight. Right? I mean, they, 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 I, you know, everybody, I, if I went into everybody's closet, everybody's got that size eight that they used to fit in in one day. One day. Right? And, and, and so when things are going good, sometimes things go bad. Right? Rome, it claims that we feel bad when times are good and feel good when the economy is bad. And he found an example. The debt rate drops in the states when the unemployment rate went up, particularly among younger people. Interesting. He also found that as people went back to work, when people went back to work, homicides increased, traffic deaths increased, all types of accidents increased. Death from heart disease, the flu, and pneumonia rise. When the economy is good. One reason is Americans tend to indulge more when the economy soars, right? Like they eat more. Now, I hope you're not a sipping saint, but oftentimes they drink more. Well, oh. See, while there's no mystery that overindulgence of food and drink can hurt us, right? Also, some excessive decorating, shopping, and holiday activity can hurt us. So we need to stand with the psalmist who pleads in Psalms 25, make me know your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. 
for you I wait all day long. See, we forget why we're even having a Christmas. And then we get so caught up on other things, right? And not that the other things are not are bad. No, far from it. But sometimes they're just too good. We have to put things in perspective. So, how did God move? I mentioned that earlier. Well, first, Jesus was born. Any move of God begins with God. The only way God was going to really move on this earth is that he had to move. Jesus had to decide to come down. So when God moves, it's good and it's perfect. James 1.17 said, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. See, God brings light into the dark and void of the world. That dark, terrible time, God said, now is the time to move. Now it's the worst time in the world. Now it's my time. Hmm? Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness of our lives. John 1, 4 reads, And 5, the Word was the source of life, and this life brought light to mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has never put it out. So I would challenge you when you put up your Christmas lights, if you have not already, if you have, it should remind you in, that Jesus came and brought light into darkness. Our Christmas decorations of lights, whether they be electric bulbs or LEDs, candles on the table, should remind us of the gifts of the, the Creator. God gave light to a dark and ungodly world. The incarnation of God in a baby, that just blows my mind every time I think about it. Could you imagine Jesus the Christ poo-pooed in his diapers? Come on, catch up to me. Here's a baby. You know, we all oh, the baby, you know, he wouldn't like, like a, a well-trained baby. He had to be trained like everybody else. But, but God, this, this was his secret weapon. He came with a baby, right? In the, this dark world, it was this move that started it all. But how did it start? We, we talk about a baby, but before the baby, there had to be what? Parents. So now in this dark world, it was the obedience of two people that began it all. So for Jesus to come, Mary and Joseph had to submit to God's will. So we want, we say, and if I ask anybody, do you want God to move in your life? Yeah, okay, I'm going to tell you, any move of God has to go through a person who submitted to God's will. Oftentimes we ask God, move in my life, and your life is not according to God's will. The way you're living is not according to God's will. What we do is not according to God's will, it's according to our will. And then we have the audacity to say, God, can you move in my life? He wants to move in our life, but it has to be according to God's will. Now here's this couple, right? And he says, the Lord says, I want to come into the world. And because of Jesus and Mary, submission, something happens. See, obedience should be the theme of Christmas, not everything else. So they gave obedience. Hebrews 5.8 reads like this, Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once he was made perfect, he became a source of eternal salvation. Once he was made perfect, the implication is there was a process that even Jesus had to go through. Once he was made perfect, then 
He became the salvation for all. You know what that tells me? That tells me that at one point, any point along his life, Jesus could have said, no, I don't want to do it. But once it was made perfect, salvation came. The obedience. But how did it happen? How did this little baby who had to be body trained, taught to eat everything, had to be taught everything, how did he come to that point? He had a mom named Mary and a dad named Joseph who, who prepared him. So God had to first had to prepare Mary. History says she might have been 14 to 16 years old, very young girl. Spoke to Mary and said, you're going to be pregnant, you're going to have a baby. Now, ladies, if an angel comes to you tonight and says that you're going to be pregnant, what would you say? You say, no way, Jose. Who's that? That's impossible. But for some reason, beyond me, beyond you, this little girl said, okay, I'll do it. Okay, now that meant a lot. That meant Mary had to go around being pregnant, never having been with a man, not married. So she was going to look at, by the rest of her community, that little tramp. The, the, you think anybody's going to believe, oh, Mary, you mean an angel talked to you and got you pregnant? Oh, yes, holy are thou, Mary. No. They're going to say, look at the tramp. She got pregnant. And she, got, she must have got pregnant from Joseph's, and they're not even married yet. Both of them are a tramp and no good for nothing dog. That was the picture of Christmas coming in. But they had to be obedient. They had to withstand that and remain obedient. So for nine months, their heart were open and obedient to God's will. And because of their obedience, despite what people thought of them, God allowed their arms to embrace Jesus, the Christ. To the gift of obedience will place you where God needs you. Obedience. See, it's, it was their hand that God chose to wrap the infant Jesus in swaddling clothes and keep him safe. So you never have, you could never underestimate the gift of obedience. Now the shepherds on that day, they're out there in the field tending their sheep, and they see this, this happening. They didn't know what it was. But, but what they did know is, is they had an awe, like what is going on? So what are these, these shepherds who, knew, who weren't educated who weren't wealthy, they were just hardworking, normal kind of people, what they instinctively did is begin to revere the situation that was taking place. In Luke 2, 8, it reads, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that, that will be for all people today. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The first people to see Jesus were simple, smelly, uneducated, hard-working men. Not, not the professors, not, not the religious folk. It was just simple folk. They've seen this happening. They went to the barn, and they were the first people to see Jesus. Empty-handed. These simple men of the fields hurried to Bethlehem with nothing but their reverence for what was taking place. Their hands were empty, but their hearts were full of amazement. What is going on here? 
See, I really believe that most have lost their reverence of God. Uh, they, they take God as, as if he can come and go at their leisure. And listen, we serve an awesome God, an almighty God. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the one who breathed life into mankind. He's not something to take for granted and, and ask like, as, as if you're at a drive through teller, how may I help you? He's God, holy and to be feared. Hmm? So then God, in the sense of amazement, that God would send his son to us. That, that, that blows me away. Now, you may be perfect and nice, but I know I was all messed up, and I did not deserve his death. I did not deserve that. I deserved hell. But because he didn't, he said, no, that's not for you. That's why I serve him as hard as I can, because I know what I deserve. And I'm grateful I don't get it. See, a birth that changed the world causes me to worship Jesus, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Luke 18, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So they, they see this thing and they begin to tell everybody what's going on. And all the people were, were amazed. Because these shepherds, who are these shepherds? See, despite the darkness, we can move on. You have the shepherds, you have Mary, Joseph, the shepherds. Then you always also have, because I'm talking about the, the Christmas season. You have these, they, they always say the three wise men, but let me let you know there's more than three. There's probably half a dozen or more. Now, these wise men, they came into the dark time with their best. They traveled across the desert, right, from Persia, which would probably be somewhere between Iraq and Iran, in the land of the Chaldeans. They were, they, they were Chaldeans, wise men, scholars. They would study the star that was their craft, the stars. And so they've seen this happening. Now, while the shepherds are over there nearby, they're watching the same star as the shepherds are. But the shepherds are in reverent fear. They run to, to, to Bethlehem. Mary and, and, G, and Joseph are, are taking care of the baby. Well, these wise men were there in, 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 in Iran, Iraq, in the land of the Chaldeans, and they see the star. Instantly they get up and say, we got to go find out what that is because we study the stars. We know astrology, and we've never seen that star. So they got up, they loaded up, and they traveled. So when they traveled, they, they arrived much, much later, right? Years. It had to be years because they, they, they come and they, and they follow the star across the desert because Mary and Joseph had to bring Jesus home to Nazareth for a census. So at this time, the infant could have been two to three years old because they had run and hid in Egypt and they brought him back. Now, they're coming back to Bethlehem, to Nazareth, rather, and the Magi had, had been traveling already for months to get there. You can see them bringing together. The Magi, or wise men, brought to this child in this dark time their wealth. So I, I'm a very practical kind of guy, I think practical. And I'm saying, as I read it, how did Mary and Joseph and Jesus survive? What did they do? How, how did they make it? 
And then when I read it, I go, oh, look at this. The Magi come to Jesus, two years old. They bow down before him, right? And what did they give him? They gave him their best. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now we look at, oh, how nice. No, no, no. Gold, we understand what gold is. Gold is very valuable. But in those days, frankincense and myrrh was a very highly sought-out commodity. In other words, when you had that, you had money in the bank. They didn't have savings accounts, but they had murder accounts and frankincense accounts. Amen? And they would store that. It was very, 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 very costly. So these men, these magi, wise men, came across the desert and offered their best. Nothing was left over. They didn't give their, their chump change. Proverbs 3, 9 reads, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. In Ezekiel, he says, The best of all the first fruits are, of all your special gifts will belong to the priest. See, one's offerings represents your encounter with Jesus. Hmm? I, I can keep going there, but I don't want to get anybody mad at me. We have to bring our best, the top of your talents, the finest of your treasures, the best of your time. See, every wise person will offer to Christ their best. The, the, the million-dollar question is, what have you offered? Now, David had an experience. I like David. And David there in 2 Samuel 24, he wants to give an offering to God. And he found a man by the name of Aaronah. And then Aaron said to David, verse 22 of chapter 24, 2 Samuel, Let my lord the king take up an offering which seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this king Aaron gives to the king. O Aaron said to the king, The Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Aaron. Now, I got the picture. This guy said, The king wants to make an offering. So this guy got everything. I got everything. Here you go, king. Boom, do it. And the king looked at, 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 at that man. He said, no, but I will buy it for a price from you because I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, which cost me nothing. He said, I'm not going to take it. I have to pay for it. So when you come before Christ and you have a encounter with the Holy Spirit, uh, your offering will reflect it. Oh, it will. So do you give excellence or your second best? Matthew 26 describes a, a woman. And Jesus was at, the, at, was at Bethany at the house of a Simon the leper. That tells you something. He was a, a leper. And you're not supposed to be around a leper. It's a contagious disease. But here Jesus is with Simon the leper. And the woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of expensive ointment. And in Matthew 26, verse 6, it said, She poured it on his head. She poured it on his head as he sat at the table. Because she had an encounter with God. So I read that. I go, wow, interesting. That's not the first. Sometimes the women get it quicker than the men. Oh, that was a good time for the ladies. Amen. Right? Because there was another story about another woman in Luke chapter 7, verse 37, and it said this, And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, 
when she learned that he, that he was at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, the hair of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. See, Christmas, that's the type of giving we should be thinking about. Huh? So what do we give? How do we give? Instead of getting caught up with the trappings, enjoy the trappings, have a good time, but you have to understand, this time, what are you giving to the Lord? What's your offering? And into, into this dark place as I'm coming in for a landing, over and over again, the gospel accounts of Christmas, you come across the word joy. In the worst of times, all this is taking place, and God is thinking, okay, this guy, these people are hopeless. They're under oppression. The world is demon-possessed. And I'm going to birth my baby, but my baby is going to bring something that will bless the world. In verse 10 of Luke chapter 2, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find that baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. To a world crying out, in all its perplexity, pain, and perversion, the baby Jesus brought the gift of joy. And there's something about, there, are, there is. You, ladies, I have been blessed never to have birth of a child. Because I've seen my wife go through it and I count my blessings. There's a lot of pain, is there not? Right? A lot of struggles. Amy really likes it because she just keeps doing it like every other year. <laughs> I should blame Leo. But there's a lot of pain, suffering, struggle, tears, sweat. But the moment the baby comes, it's in, it's, I'm amazed. The moment the baby comes, the woman changes from Mrs. Jekyll to Mrs. Hyde. I mean, they just change. Like, whoop! It's instantly joy. It's my baby. In the hardest of moments. And that's what happens. In the darkest, darkest time of the world, a baby. You know how we get when you see a baby. That's the only time we can talk dumb. Right? We, get all, we, we just get, we change. Babies do that too. I have a grandbaby. In my, she, now she's nine. But my wife can attest to it. She taught me a lot. I'm a grandfather with her now, and I'm raising her up. And I, and I would ask my wife, did, how come, did my other kids do this? I, did I miss something along the way? Right? Cause, and I say this in jest, but if I knew being a grandfather was so great, I would have just skipped being a dad. <laughs> it went right to the grandpa. I mean, it was like, this is cool. 
So I got this relationship going on with this little girl, and she, we talk, and, and, and it's just completely different. I guess when you're younger, guys, don't, don't do my mistake. You get so busy and bringing home the bacon, and, oh, I'm, and, and then you justify your, your absence by bringing home the bacon. Listen, your kids don't want bacon. They want you. They do. They really do. Huh? I learned that through my grandbaby. They don't want bacon. They want the parent. But the baby brings in joy. In the worst of times, this baby, Jesus, offered the best of truth. In the worst of times, God does his best. Times may feel bad, but I declare, huh, we live in the best of times. So don't let your darkness or your struggles, because oftentimes, during this time, many people are, are not very happy. Because they perhaps don't have the best job and, and can't, can't give, or, or may, maybe they're, they're, they're away from their children, they can't do what everybody else seems to be doing that, that seems to matter to everybody, that seems important. But I'm here to tell you, that is not what's important. You're important. You're important. Your family's important. Their children are important. That's what's important. Don't let this other stuff bring you down during this time of joy. Hmm? As I close. In Christ... In Christ, we've been gifted with the pathway to God. Think about that. We own the route to fulfillment. We have it all. Are you kidding me? We have the, when I think about it, I know the pathway. I know how to get you to fulfillment. Who can tell you that? The only people who can tell you that is somebody who has a relationship with God who really knows who God is, who understands what the Holy Spirit could do. So we all have that. We have access to it. To it. But what are we doing during, during our dark times, during our good times, during this Christmas season? So we live in the light. In our light, Jesus guides our steps as we walk to God, especially in the dark. It guides us. So as you search for for gifts, for presents during these holidays. As you buy for those you love, remember, the greatest gift is not those physical things. The greatest gift is spiritual. Something that we can easily all afford because it costs you nothing. But obedience to his call, a willingness to serve, those are the greatest gifts. Those who would serve. So in all your celebrations, let's talk about how Jesus made it to Bethlehem. Let's share spiritual gifts, the gift of giving the gift, rather, that brings light into darkness. The gift of obedience. The gift of reverence to God. The gift of giving your best. The gift of joy. Those are, are pretty good gifts.
that we can share with each other. Declare to your family and friends, no matter what you're going through, especially when you're going through, in your mind, people may think it's bad times, declare in the middle of that that I live in the best of times. Oh, it may be dark right now. Huh? It may be Friday like they live, but Sunday's coming. Huh? Oh, it may be horrible, but I ain't worried about it because I got God on my side. God's going to turn it around. He always turns it around. He doesn't come maybe when I want, huh? but I know one thing. He always comes right on time. He's right there when I need him. So that's what Christmas means to me. Jesus being right on time. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.